Good morning, it's Esti Schreiber here from SA Natural Products and with me in the studio is Dr. David Nodia. He's a homeopath and head of the medical and research department of SA Natural Products. Welcome Dave. Thank you Esti, it's good to be here again. Sugars and sweetness, that's our topic for today. Sugar and sweetness, it's controversial. There's a lot of publications around it. Many articles have been written. There's been debates. There's been fights. There's been wars around sugars and sweeteners. Our perspective in the living naturally world, when we say sugar and sweeteners, I love a ripe mango. For me, I can pick pudding from a tree. When it is mango season, we have mangoes in the house. And there's just nothing nicer than sliced up mango with sliced up dates. And then you put into it plain yogurt, lovely thick plain yogurt. And you let it stand just for a little while and they mix with one another. And you eat that as a pudding. Oh, mm, it is just delicious. Your palate loves sweet. Is it wrong? It's, it's not wrong at all. The fact of the matter is man has been chasing sweet stuff for thousands of years. And there's actual archaeological and uh, empirical evidence that shows man robbing beehives, you know, in rock art paintings that are about 9,000 years old. So right back then already, man had recognized that honey was sweet and it was a prized commodity. And, and if there was a hive... Man would rob that hive no matter and put up with the sting to get hold of the sweet stuff. So it, it's so we have factual evidence that shows man has chased the uh, sweetness of honey for thousands of years. But it's actually you know archaeologists and anthropologists actually think that the man has actually been even prior to those records uh, primitive man and Neanderthalithic man um, was already chasing after honey and sweet things. Um, and they actually suspect that in terms of evolution, the discovery of honey by primitive man helped actually form and the development of our taste buds so that we can actually taste sweetness. So that says that man has been eating sweet things for millions of years. Um, so long before table sugar, long before cultivation of sugarcane, man was already identified that certain things in nature were sweet and they were good. Uh, so it's not something you're going to ever get away from. Yeah. I mean, eating a freshly picked fig, a ripe fig off a tree, having dates, it is, it's known that man consumed that. And we've always had a palate to want it. I think of a, of, a, of a child. The first time you give a child something sweet, the little eyes go all oh, sparkle, sparkle. What was that? I need more of it. And you, we err to it. I wonder if it is because it is um, honey is so energy rich that it gives you quick energy. They convert it quickly into energy for the body. What is it about the fact that the taste of sweet is something that attracts us so much. But yes, history is telling us that man has loved sweet things so much. But you've got a story about how sugarcane came about. Yeah, well, look, I mean, sugarcane has been cultured for its juice in India as far back as 4000 BC. There were already records of, of commercial growing of sugarcane for the juice. Um, but it wasn't until about 2000 years ago that actual sugar crystals were made. So where they took the juice and uh, by processing it, they developed rudimentary of what we know today as table sugar. Um, so, I mean, that was available around about 2,000 years ago, but very rare. And certainly in Europe, it was unheard of. And uh, how it actually spread to Europe was the Knights returning from the Crusades. 
um, captured this substance that they called sweet salt because it was white, but it wasn't salty, it was sweet. And they started bringing this back to Europe. And that was the first introduction to sugar. And at that stage, it was such a rare commodity that only the noble and the very rich could access sugar. And it wasn't until around about the 18th century where sugar, table sugar, became affordable to the to everyone in Europe. And that was when sugarcane was started to be cultivated in the colonies, you know, the West Indies and the Caribbean um, and so on. And then sugar was readily available. But uh, so prior to the 18th century, table sugar literally did not exist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and since then, of course, history speaks for itself. Uh, we now consume I mean, if you look at the worldwide statistics on the consumption of sugar, 177 million metric tons a year is consumed by the world. Okay, I want to know how big that mountain is. That, that's very big. <laughs> 177 million metric tons. South Africa produces about 200 million metric tons yeah. of that. So we make a fair amount, but it's a big number. Um, and, of course, the more sugar we consume, um, and the researchers have really investigated this, um, the more it correlates with the development of chronic disease. Like what? So, I mean, there's so much evidence that shows that the levels of obesity, for example, um, have skyrocketed in line with the consumption of sugar and refined sugars uh, throughout the world. But, of course, with diabetes also lumped in there is cardiovascular disease, um, obesity, um, Metabolic syndrome, which we're starting to see more and more of, which is a combination of being overweight, having a pre-diabetic state called insulin resistance, a fatty liver, and as well as high blood pressure. And that is just describes so many patients that we see every single day in practice. And that a lot of researchers correlate the development of these new diseases, especially the metabolic syndrome, um, with man's shift from his ancestral diet pre-18th century um, to this highly sugared, carbohydrate-rich, refined diet that we're following now. Um, I'll never forget it. In a, in a couple of years ago, I was in the States for a conference, and um, we at the airport, we were coming on our way home, we saw when you went to order your food, they gave you this empty cup, and it was a big cup, at least a liter. And I thought, what do you do with this cup? And this cup was for you to go and self-dispense soda. So they had a soda, soda machine. Fountain. And you could go and refill this cup as many times as you liked. And I watched a number of kids sitting in that restaurant go backwards and forwards and refill this one liter cup of soda a number of times on top of their burger and fries. So that's just a drop in the ocean of what is actually happening out there and how man's diet has shifted from a whole grain, whole food diet, unrefined, a little bit of sweetness in fruit and honey now and again, to sugar in everything, every single day. Yeah. You know, there was a time when we had to wait for the season in order to get the fruit. Now, because of globalization, we can have the fruit all year round, especially when you're living in Europe. They have all different types of fruits most of the year round because they import from all over the world. We a banana tree, when a banana tree gives you a bunch of bananas, it's got to grow from the ground, become an adult plant, grow a bunch of bananas, and then that bunch of bananas, if we don't pick it, it falls with the tree down. And then you can eat the bananas, but you can only eat them for a short period of time because they all ripen at the same time, and you've got to consume them quickly. 
Otherwise, I'd just go frot. So you've got to wait for the whole next season for the plant to grow again for the next bunch of bananas. The same with an apple tree. An apple tree will bear fruit all at once, and it's done, and you've got to consume it for that short period of time. But today, we cold storage things. We preserve it. We pack it away. We, we do things with it, and we make it available all year round. So we're consuming these sweet things constantly and not just in season. We've changed what the body was made to have. And we've made having sweet a daily occurrence where it would be something that you waited for because the peach tree has got to bear its fruit before I can have it. So we've really changed things because of how man has interfered with it. But I think the way to overcome the sugar problem is just to make it so expensive again that people (laughs) can't afford it. And it's only a certain class of person that can afford it. But we think of sugar. You know, the thing that I battle with is that people connect sugar to energy. They say, I need energy, I need sugar. Oh, I've been through trauma, give me sugar water. Oh, my blood sugar levels have plummeted, give me sugar water. That's the last thing you must do. You do not give sugar. You need to, you, there are other ways and means of, of helping a person. But we, we, we've connected sugar to even treatments in some cases for people. Now, honey is the way to, to get natural sugar from nature that is whole. It's a whole food that you're getting in. It is immediately satisfying for that sugar craving. Fresh fruit is another one. But now we get to that other word, sweetness. When was sweetness born and what are they made of? So, you know, there's a lot of history behind sweeteners. And the first thing that you need to realize is you, you, there are some natural alternative sweeteners that, that you do find in nature. Something like xylitol, for example, it's spelt with an X. Um, that is a naturally occurring sweet substance, which you could substitute sugar with. Um, so there are some of those. Um, fructose, as you mentioned in the fruit, it's a naturally occurring fruit sugar. So there are naturally occurring sugar substitutes that are available. But then, of course, um, prior to the 1970s, um, you had the development um, and the invention of non-nutritive sweeteners, what we call artificial sweeteners. So these are substances that don't you don't find them in nature. They're made in a laboratory. They're chemically synthesized. Um, but they taste sweet and often uh, many times more sweet than table sugar, but they have no calorie value. So what that means is you get the sweetness, but there isn't the calorie. So when these things were first invented, that it was great. I mean, we've invented this wonderful substance. We can satisfy man's desire for sweetness, but not give him the calories. So he won't get, he won't get obese. Mm-hmm. He, won't get over, he won't get overweight. It won't affect his diabetes. So initially, at least, this was a miraculous discovery. Um, but as these things developed over time, there were a whole lot of controversial findings that came up with long-term use of artificial sweeteners. But essentially, this, an artificial sweetener is synthesized in the laboratory and is designed to give you the taste of sweetness, but without the calories. But not healthy. Well, look, if you, it's shrouded in controversy. If you go and look and, um, at the history of sweeteners, and you go right back to the first event in the 70s, um, saccharin, for example, um, they discovered that when they fed saccharin to rats, it actually caused them to develop cancer. So this was the first big cancer scare that sweeteners uh, had. It was subsequently disproven and found to only affect rats and not humans. But the, the publicity and the tainted image of sweeteners 
uh, you know, has remained till to the, till this day. There've been other cancer scares with certain sweetness as well, lymphomas and leukemias and so on. But the evidence is not strong enough to say for sure that the sweetener was involved with that. And so cancer, there's a lot of, and for every study you read that says it's harmful, there's another one that says it's safe. So there's this constant tug of war going on out Mm. there. And scientists are divided. There are many highly reputable scientists that are significantly opposed to sweeteners in terms of their health, negative health effects. So there is a lot of contradicting evidence out there. But despite all of this, Major food regulators internationally, including World Health, um, have they've actually endorsed the safety, and I put it in italics, of about five artificial sweeteners. Um, and these are widely available throughout the world and are in a lot of the foods that, um, that we eat on a daily basis. And some of them, only few, have to actually carry warnings. So there's a lot of controversy around it. Certainly the, the cancer scare has come up and, and, and on a number of occasions um, and then been disproven. So, but, you know, I always say where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. You know? um, why would you want to put a synthetically produced chemical substance into your body every day? It, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. You know, I can understand if it's a medicine and you need chronic medication, but to choose to put a As chemical… A as food into your body every day just doesn't make sense. Despite the so-called safe findings of these regulators, there's just too much concerning data still out there, in my opinion. That is a warning. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is. You, we should not be having it. Now, the obesity and diabetes, I mean, those are two areas that people know that sugar has got a very negative effect against. It causes people to become obese. It causes diabetes, especially your type 2 diabetics. What does sugar do for the brain? Well, sugar is addictive, firstly. So it's highly addictive. Um, so there's there's an association with the taste of sugar and the desire for more taste of sugar. Um, and, you know, I, I was once at church and we were serving tea and I, a young guy came up for a cup of tea and uh, gave him the tea and then he put his sugar in um, and he put seven teaspoons of sugar. Oh, my seven. Event, I couldn't believe it. Seven teaspoons of sugar in Did the tea. Did you ask him why? That, that can't even dissolve. That's a saturated <laughs> solution. Uh, so people become desensitized mm. to how sweet something is. So the more you have... The less you taste it and the more you more, need to get that sweetness. Yes, the more you want it. And, and Exactly. So, And then you have the scenario where you have what they call blood sugar yo-yoing, where you have something really sweet, your sugar levels spark, um, and then they suddenly crash again. So your body then has this massive insulin response to bring the sugar down. Your sugar then crashes and then you get all shaky and jittery and, re- and agitated because your sugar levels have dropped. And this process of sparking up and dropping down um, is what eventually can lead to something called insulin resistance, which is a pre-diabetic state, and of course affect your mood. So these sugar ups and downs are definitely uh, something to consider um, when you're having mood swings, for example. So they're, they're definitely psychological effects. I remember a, a young girl, she was in her 20s, that was so addicted to sugar, she had to wake up in the night to go and eat more biscuits and, and chocolates to be able to sleep again. And I've heard of people that wake up in the night to drink more gassy 
cool drinks because um, they they consume four to six liters a day. And if they don't wake up in the night to have it, they crave it so much, it actually wakes them up. They want to go and drink it. They have a glass of cool drink on the side of the bed table that they consume in the middle of the night. I mean, that is an absolute sugar addiction. Just the other day, a friend of mine, she walked down a passage at the work and she bumped into a man that she didn't see for two or three months. And when she saw him, she said to him, my goodness, but you are looking well. What have you done? And he said, I gave up sugar. And he just, he stopped consuming sugar for what, 12 weeks? The difference in his life, he's sleeping better. He's his skin, the color of his skin has changed completely. His whole demeanor, his, his, his ability to have energy all day long. He says he feels like a new person by just stopping sugar. He cut that sugar out of his diet completely and didn't replace it with anything. He just stopped. He said, that's it. No more. He's lost weight and he's looking so good. I mean, sugar is something that ages the body. We, we know of studies that they've done, uh, specifically at Stellenbosch University with rats, where they fed them sugar, and those rats age rapidly compared to the, 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 the rat that eats the food it's supposed to have. Man is made for fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, whole grains, raw seeds, nuts, dried fruits, eggs, chicken, fish, lamb, water. That is our food, pulses and beans and that. But something that you said to me the other day really sparked an interest. And that is how we grow our food today and what we eat and what we're not eating causing us to want to have sugar. Care to share? Yes. So I read an interesting article um, and the article was about how the modern diet is deficient in bitter bitter foods. So if you look at the primitive diet, when we ate more greens and uh, um, leafy green things, which are often bitter... Um, compared to our modern diet, which is pumped with sugar, you know, foods that sell well have to taste sweet, sweet you know. So, and uh, there's been a lot of research into this, and they've actually found that the modern diet is not only very refined and has a lot of sugar and so on and so forth, but it, it's lacking the traditional bitter foods. Um, so think of a salad, a garden salad, you know, which historically was used as an aperitif to get your digestive juices going before your main meal. So, And a salad in those days comprised of not iceberg lettuce, it was spring greens. So it was um, a little bit of dandelion leaf, some rocket. Um, watercress. Watercress uh, and so on, fennel and that sort of mixture. And it was eaten with vinegar. And the vinegar and the bitters got all your digestive juices going, including the pancreas, which is really important from blood sugar and metabolism and obesity, uh, your bowel, which is necessary for breaking down fats. So by eating these bitter foods, you actually get the digestive juices flowing prior to the meal arriving. Um, and our modern diet just doesn't have these bitter things in it. And they actually say that bitter deficiency leads to sweet cravings, ironically. Very ironic. And it's one of the ways that some holistic practitioners are treating patients who have come to them with sugar cravings is by giving them bitters. Hmm. So, I mean, there are bitter, I mean, you get Swedish bitters and so on, you can buy them anywhere. Um, but this is quite an interesting phenomenon, I thought. Um, but, uh, you know, the use of artificial sweeteners to lose weight is also controversial. So there are studies that show that if you switch sugar to a sweetener, 
you can lose some weight. But there are actual studies that say the opposite. In fact, yes. the Canadian Medical Association published a major article in recently as 2017, and they actually found that the use of artificial sweeteners was actually associated with increased body mass index, increased cardiometabolic risk, so that's heart disease and so on, higher blood pressure, cardiac events, and metabolic syndrome. So they actually found that people who use these things actually have a higher risk of developing all the things you're trying to avoid by using them in the first place. So this is another example around the contradiction of information out there. So yes, you're not getting the calories, but these are seem to be associated with other issues. Well, Dave, you know, my logic brain says to me, I'm supposed to be eating the food that nature gives me. And nature does not give me artificial sweetness. Nature gives me fresh fruit, gives me vegetables, That is where I should be getting my sweetness from. And if I can, every now and then I can get some honey. Man is made to have barley malt. You can go and make molasses in your kitchen. Have molasses. Have barley malt. Barley malt is that sticky, toffee kind of substance. You can get it at at all these places that sell health department foods and the health shops and that. Um, It's it's lovely. It's delicious. I remember for my children, when they started eating porridge at at a young age, I used to cook them millet and add a little dollop of barley malt into it. It gave the food a beautiful flavor, if you don't want to use honey in itself. But get the real McCoy honey, not just the mm. one that is full of sugar itself. Again, Lots of controversy about that recently. Plenty. So support the people that really bring us good quality honey. But barley malt, honey are ways to satisfy the palate. Fresh fruit. Dried fruit, gladly. And then coconut sugar in moderation. Yes, it's still a sugar, but it is the sugar made from the flowers of the coconut. I just love it. We're eating a few flowers. So coconut sugar is another way to, to, to naturally sweeten things. But for the person that says, I crave sugar and I want it, and then it's something sweet and then it's something salty, then it's something sweet and then it's something salty, and I can't stop. Once I get going, I can't stop. How to help them? In the Avogel range, we've got three specific products that we recommend people to use when they say to us, my sugar levels are not normal. How can I help my body to overcome this addiction that I have? What can I do? Anti-appetite formula. That's what it's called. Anti-appetite formula is a beautiful homeopathic remedy in the Avogel range that specifically works on blood sugar levels. And we've seen it numerous times that it helps a person that has these fluctuating um, uh, cravings, salt, sugar, salt, sugar anti-appetite formula. Take it for as long as you need it until your appetite is controlled and then you stop. The other product that is a must is Molcosan. Dr. Fogel's Molcosan is a digestive tonic, but it's also a pancreas tonic. He called this remedy one of his most favorite. It was one of the three products that Fogel himself used every single day of his life. And Molcosan, what does it do? It prepares the gut for the food that we're going to be eating. It makes sure that your microbiome is healthy. It um, it satisfies a thirst. It's a hot day and you want to satisfy that thirst. Mix a little bit of Molcosan into cold water and drink it. It is so refreshing. But not just that. It helps the pancreas to, to control the amount of enzymes released as well as that sugar levels. So that you, if you're a hypoglycemic or a diabetic, a low blood sugar sufferer or a high blood sugar sufferer, 
Your Molkusan is a pancreas tonic. It's a must for you. Take it at least twice a day, morning and evening before your meals, and you'll see that your blood sugar levels will be far better controlled. And then interesting is Multiforce. The amount of people that I have heard from that say that since I've been using Multiforce, I don't crave anymore. Since I've been taking Multiforce, I don't want sweet things anymore. Since I've been taking Multiforce, my blood sugar levels are better controlled. I've got a diabetic support group here in Durban that made contact with me to say, since using Multiforce, they don't need to increase their insulin quantities constantly. It's better controlled. It's got everything to do with this buffering system and the pH balance of the body. So... Anti-appetite formula, Molcosan and Multiforce from Avogel are all supportive products to help you when you are suffering with a craving that just doesn't want to go away and you want to give extra support for the gut. But follow a balanced diet. Eat the food in season. Eat the variety of foods that nature gives. Make sure that there is something with vinegar and something with bitter in your diet daily to satisfy that. Have your brown rice and lentils, nutritious, low glycemic food for the body that naturally gives you sugar in your system when you feel you need that extra energy. That is a source of energy that is not harmful to the body. And then, of course, have your fresh vegetables, have your egg, your chicken, your fish, your lamb. That is good food, but drink copious amounts of water. Our bodies are not made to consume these fizzy drinks in such large quantities. The body is made to consume water. Make it delicious by adding in a slice of lemon or something, or a, a, a orange, or a nachi, something that makes it palatable. I've even seen people take um, green pepper, and they slice it and they put it into water, and it gives it a peppery taste. Very refreshing. So, sugars and sweetness, what are our options? Honey. Barley malt, coconut sugar, fruit, dried fruit. But stay away from the things that are artificial. The body was never made to have it. Thank you, Dr. David. Pleasure, Esti.